What's up, ladies and gentlemen of the internet? My name is Jade, and this is the Here Is What We Know podcast, episode 12. Simon, can you believe we've done 12 episodes already? Oh, it's been it's been a, a long journey to get to 12. Uh, we didn't get it done in 12 weeks, but uh, <laughs> it's, it's, uh, it's close enough, but... 12th and, and onwards who knows when we'll stop oh yeah yeah i will say i will say that last week was my fault uh a government minister needed my advice urgently so uh, i i wear that i wear that one sorry about that was Simon. it dating advice I... urgent dating advice <laughs> maybe not that kind of advice <laughs> but but so good to see you simon what about what have you been up to Oh man, I've had a pretty busy weekend. Played a lot of golf um, out at the uh, Golf Harbour Country Club, and then uh, managed to get out for a wave out west this Country morning before the. Yeah, yeah, I'm a member there actually at the You're uh, Golf Harbour Country at Club. A country club. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I am peak coloniser. Um, How did yeah. that happen? You're going to make me sound poor on the live sheet, but actually, <laughs> it was a really attractive deal for a membership. Okay, discount. cool. Yeah, no, for different ages, trying to get the, the younger, the young generation um, as members there to hook them in, so the, it's nice. a bit cheaper, so, but yeah, if you play a few times a week per month, man, it's like way cheaper than being anywhere, a member anywhere else. Mm. So, so, let me, let me just stay with this, so, to be a member of a country club, because I'm in a country club a couple of times, but all I did was attend, like, like events where there might have been speakers mm. and like awards or whatever, but to be a member, you've actually got to play golf. No, no, probably not. I mean, if it's a golf harbor, if it's a golf country club, then that's probably the main reason you'll go there. But there'll be people who are members that just use the gym and the pool and they would go and have dinner there and things like that. They may not play golf or play it very often, but yeah. It depends on the type of country club. Some of them have like tennis courts and all sorts of other yeah, um, I was gonna say. facilities. Yeah. But just the at, at Golf Harbour, it's pretty much just for golf. Yeah, it's number yeah. one course in the country, apparently. Yeah, I believe that I attended there and received a check with a few zeros on the end of it on behalf of a uh, youth organisation in New Zealand. Fab, you might know them, Simon. I have heard of them, and that's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. I, I used to be um, their, their lead uh, youth worker, and I got asked to go to one of their events. They're golfing all day, so I was attending a dinner, had a, had a two-minute speech slot, and took their money. So, <laughs> well worth it. Yeah, I mean, there's, um, it's quite prestigious uh, company mm-hmm. at the Gulf Harbour Country Club. It's, mm-hmm. it's quite quite a lot of uh circles in on the cars um in, in the car park four circles all together nice lots of audis <laughs> okay um well we we go from country clubs to the question of the day henna's not with us today but that's okay simon are you ready i'm ready for sure. All right. That, this will be an interesting one. One I hope we can get a lot of conversation out of. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Name a childhood belief that you can no longer support. Name a childhood mm. belief 
that you can no longer support. Now, when it came up with this, Simon, obviously, if you wanted a quick and easy way out of this, you could say center, but but I was looking for something a bit deeper, actually. Yeah. Yeah, I'm just trying to think about what yeah what what I really believed in back as a um, as a as a kid and oh man this is tough it's a great question <laughs> it's a very good question and I'm just trying to give it the thought it deserves but I don't know I mean maybe if we wouldn't just change it up for and just you go first and give me some time to think if you've got an answer oh I actually do the the unfortunate advantage of being the question guy. Is that I always okay. have my answer ready. So, um, for me, for me, when it comes to beliefs that I can no longer support, uh, it's my firm belief that you can't be truly successful or wealthy by having a nine-to-five based job. Yeah, that that's one one belief that has only really unraveled in the last couple of years as I've interacted um, with certain people, but my, my parents were very, very firm. Get a job, stay in the job for as long as you can, work your way up the ladder, that's how you achieve success. And and I've actually witnessed within my own family the, the exact opposite being the case. You know, you know, they had jobs for maybe ten years or more, and then, and then the company would just let them go and just be like, "Well, you know, it is what what it is. We're restructuring." And some of my family members never really got back on their feet. And um, you know, people people that I interact with now, they would say stuff like you need to own stuff bro you, you need to build your own thing or or at least at least partner and being an owner and something and and i'm really fixated on that now yeah that that's my whole vibe now that's that's a good answer and you've actually thank you because you um you, you made me kind of realize that mine was i guess it's just like a bit like a step more broader um, and it would just not just be about the the nine to five job, but it's almost like the the nine to five life. Like mm. the when you're a kid, you just think everybody's supposed to finish school, get a job, get married, start a family, and like you know, it just just live in the suburbs. It, and I, I mean, I don't want to talk shit about finding somebody you love and starting a family because that's pretty much like, <laughs> like the most important thing you should do while you're on earth. <laughs> But um, it's it's just it's the way that it's encouraged, um, well, especially when we were kids. The whole fact of you know you find somebody have two and a half kids, live in the suburbs, small house, like you get a factory job, and you you have your little square of of lifestyle, and you have, you live such a small life. I guess the way to describe it would be small, and 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 and. and cookie cutter is it would be another way to try and describe it like a cookie cutter lifestyle yeah and i'm quite grateful that i i lost that belief quite early on in my life which has helped me get to where i am now but it was definitely something that you 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 can't help but believe when you're young because it's all around you that everybody lives the same life everybody does the exact same thing goes through the same process and 
it, you, there, there was nothing else to do. Oh, like, you know what I will say though, Simon. Um, there, there was a long time, uh, especially when I was coming up through high school, where I saw my friends. You, you know, and their parents were like middle manager executives and and they were doing okay bro like like their lives weren't sad by any means and i was like well maybe the tension i'm feeling is that my my parents weren't managers you know they were employees they were managed by someone else but even those members of my family that are the middle managers or were the middle managers is more is more the is more the case in my example, they got absolutely burned. And that's not, like, I want to be clear, I realise this is live and people people do watch this. I got a few comments over the last week, Simon, that we probably need to just cover off. Re- really nice comments about the show, actually. Um, okay. Um, like, I... Anybody who has a job and is doing what they need to do for their family, you're winning. It's, the, the question of the day is about what what belief did I have? I believe that the 9 to 5 was the success market. It really isn't. And I'm doing everything in my power to sort of uh, decouple that from the beliefs of all the children in my family now. I want them to think about what what can they build, what what can they what can they do to add value to the market and things like that. Just in little ways. I'm not grilling them like Wolf of Wall Street or anything. No, that's cool. I mean, there's that's that's something that is missing from most of the younger generation is that resourcefulness, the the this, the ability to create and and conjure up things of their own um you know of their own brain power it's mm-hmm. it's i think if you were to point at a reason it would be and people have said it before it's not a new point is the whole um hyper consumption lifestyle the short attention span the never needing to stimulate their own um creativity mm. but yeah it's just that's missing but yeah if you can if you can if you can get kids to think about a, a, a scenario and get them to start figuring out ways that they can yeah, add value into those situations, that's, that's setting them up for, for, good situ- for good skills in life. Uh, one, one example, I'll speak on a friend of mine who has unfortunately uh, passed. Now, my good friend Alex, uh, we went to... We went to intermediate school together, and later in life, we connected back up in university. Uh, I always thought he was, like, super broke. But because his parents would be, like, thrifty as, bro. <laughs> thrifty as. Edge for fun, I, I believe this is my good old friend, Doxus. Also known as Doxus, maybe Edge for Fun. Thanks for being here. Um, Yo, what's up? So, so my friend, he was like super, super thrifty and always wore like worn clothes, like secondhand clothes and everything. And I'm like, man, I feel bad for you, man. Like, 
Well, what's going on in your house? You need a sandwich or something? Turns out, his dad was building a server farm in their basement, running three simultaneous dial-up connections to stabilize the server, set the basement on fire at one point, mortgage, <laughs> mortgage the house to start this business, and I, I don't know what the status of the business is now, but only a couple of years ago, um, they broke an average uh, $1 million profit. And I'll say, I, I don't know if this falls into the realm of doxing or anything, but this family owns the Knowledge Basket, who supplies all the academic databases to the University of Auckland. Wow. So the licensing fees were mega, and this guy hand-built the service and ran them on three simultaneous dial-up connections. Uh, when they first started the business, like he he was on, he was on to the on to the internet. His dad was on to the internet before the internet was a thing. <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> you was doing like DARPANET but Kiwi version. Yeah, and like the reason they were acting so thrifty is because they were putting everything into this business. Mm -hmm. And that that's yeah. a mindset that not a lot of people have. And just, no. a, just a point I want to raise that success is always about being comfortable and flashy and ha having the opportunity to do whatever. Sometimes success is about sacrifice. Totally. It's about conviction and, yes, sacrificing everything you believe is worthwhile in pursuit of what is what you what you think is your ultimate goal so i mean i love that i love those stories when they come out because <laughs> you know you gotta realize that sometimes those situations don't work out for good but uh, for that for your friend's dad i'm super happy for him for to yeah. have that sort of conviction so early on you know it's the same thing for like people who jumped into bitcoin before it was a dollar and still held it and, and things like that you know you just love people who yeah. have the conviction on something that seems so crazy and then it just comes to be true yeah yeah so so what what's my lasting message out of this question of the day but believe in yourself above above all else what what you what you came to believe in your childhood doesn't always have to remain i will say though you you know we are coming up to christmas and, and one sort of message that i wanted to share on the show today is it's all right to have, it's all right to be excited about the holidays like a child would be. I think, I think we got this weird vibe in New Zealand where we're starting not to, like, like really celebrate Christmas like we used to. And I mean, it's a bit to do with the lockdown for sure, but it's okay to believe in Christmas magic, whether there might be an obese white guy in the middle of it or not it's still it's still cool to believe so anybody out there that's... Christmas. So, sorry christmas christmas magic is um you know non-denomination specific it doesn't doesn't matter what sort of um capitalist or commercial 
um, rituals you participate in, there is always Christmas magic as long as there's people and friends and family um, near each other and good spirits and no. there's food nearby. There's Christmas magic. You don't need to have, <laughs> yeah, like you said, the fat white bearded guy. Uh, Hedge for Fun says, I'm definitely in the middle of the Christmas magic <laughs> and also an obese white guy. Hedge for Fun is one obese white guy we we truly love on this channel. So it's good to see you again. It, it's been a while. Ah, so so from so from uh, country clubs to burning down your basement with homemade super farms to obese white guys to our next story. Uh, and and I'll take the lead on. Simon, if that's all right. Yeah, go for it. I mean, I actually can't see um, the stream, the stream oh, layout. And, bear with yeah. us for one second, folks. Let's talk about Carl Rittenhouse and also the fact that my camera's frozen. Ugh. Si Simon, before I say what I was going to say, why don't you... Mm -hmm. Why don't you give your top line comments while I try and fix this? Okay. Um, I have uh, been following this case since it started. Um, well, I mean, I, I was plugged into the whole riots that were happening at the time and saw the video footage of the event straight after it happens and I had the same view I've always had the whole time is that he was in a situation where um, there was massive violence and destruction going on around him. I think he maybe has a bit to answer for as to why he thought it'd be a good idea to go there, but I'm, he's not he's not a criminal just because he was there, and that that's something that I'm quite firm on. And then the situation is quite obvious where the guy presents a firearm he is attacked and responds in self-defense and people end up dead i mean i don't think it sh it should be as a as a controversial as it is and you can tell it's only that way because of the media's attention <clears throat> and uh investment in it the 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 most just i don't know how to describe it stark i guess just real sad as well um is the nba coverage it's probably on other sports as well and different and like the baseball or nfl or whatever but they've got all these ex-nba players who are you know the tv analysts they do the tv shows talk about basketball and whatnot and it's just this massive segment every time there's a break in the in the sports and it's another ex-player talking about how it's so just it's so racist and and white privilege and this is abomination and astonishing and all this hyperbole about how they can't believe this kid was found not guilty and it's like any rational person should realize that they're not saying this of their own um of their own accord like none of those people are staying standing there and thinking you know what mm. I'm gonna I'm gonna give my two cents on this. Now they're being told to say that, and they're being told to have these positions, and they're being told to support that that argument to make it seem like it was 
more of a travesty than it actually was you know they try the media the whole time have been fighting to paint this dude as a white supremacist for killing white people um it's like it's it's been so politicized you can tell every single thing the media has done was to try and make it seem more um more like he was some vicious murderer um and they were following jury home and you know there's all this despicable stuff going on the whole court thing every time i saw footage from it was in the court it just looked like absolute theater i mean even the judge seemed like a bit of a character so it's so hard to see it's so hard to to know truly how close to justice that really was just because there was just so much nonsense just going on all around it you know and if the and i'll let you get to the article in a second but you basically covered the whole thing so i was just gonna bounce off for you yeah you've got real good understanding of the article yeah yeah uh, thank you um (laughs) i just wanted to say there's a more important trial coming up in a couple days her name's galaine maxwell she's jeffrey epstein's ex-partner and right-hand woman in the pedophile ring she's been held up in jail for who knows how long and she's about to go on to trial this week so um that's the thing we should all be talking about the fact that um all of the elite pedophiles that had jeffrey epstein whacked in prison haven't been brought to light just says a lot uh, massive pivot of course from the article we were talking about but just uh, <laughs> no, just, but... just my two cents at the end there it's all good simon so uh, like reading through this stuff and it wasn't just this uh new zealand based article but i mean over on greenwich uh, com, we'll provide all the links after the show you, you know i just tried to form my own view of the of the situation and you actually raised uh one of my main points simon i'm a bit iffy about whether he should have been there in the first place um so it does start from there but that wasn't the question for the jury the question for the jury was was he acting in self-defense and um it turns out that he was and i i have to support that view yeah, I do too. Um, the it, it's hard to, to to put your mind into someone who was over there during that time and being from those places and seeing your communities just being absolutely destroyed night after night and seeing your local police force doing nothing mm. or doing very little and all of the media in your country is saying how these riots are a good thing and that how all of this is leading to racial progress and that you know none of these people are criminals when they're burning down stores and looting you know from massive corporations and i couldn't give a flying if about corporations and some looting from stores and they all get paid out Mm. from insurance from it anyway i'm sure if you looked into it there was some massive payouts for all those companies (laughs) that had their stores burned down the big ones at least anyway but yeah yeah i mean it's there was probably some people who had put like your friend's dad who'd put everything they owned into the server farms in this kenosha town and these uh these rioters coming through trying to destroy it and you don't have insurance all you've got is mates with 
um the the guns in their in their in their safe so yeah, they come exactly. down and stand around outside and hopefully they can just scare away people not realizing that they're going to end up um end up facing criminals and let's let's not forget the fact that the guy that um you know that he killed one of them was only very recently released from prison before he attended went and beat up his girlfriend um on the way to these riots or something like that so okay so none of the articles none of the articles uh, i had spoke to that so thank you simon were you aware of any of the prior convictions of the of the people who perished or got shot? I mean, I yeah, the dude, the, the the Rosenbaum dude, the bald guy, he 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 used to find single mothers and date them so that he could abuse their children. Did it five times, and um, that's pretty and gross. It was yeah, and yeah, and then the other, I mean, the other the other guy that died, it was like some form of burglar and criminal. Like you've done, uh, there's a few burglary charges that I saw, but I mean. I, yeah, I'm very conscious that some media outlets use people's criminal histories to try and you know make it seem not so bad that they that they end up dead. But and in, in, in this case, regardless of what they've ever done before they turn up to the riots, there's video footage of like the that dude Rosenbaum, I mean, like walking up to people with the guns and saying, you know, like bust on me, inward, like you shoot me, why don't you shoot me? And he's right in their face, antagonizing them. Um, and I'm not sure if you've seen the actual vid- video of the court, but the um, you know there's a there's a video of the lawyer asking one of the guys. He said, "So, so Kyle didn't fire until you presented your firearm towards him," and he says, "Yeah." And so then that was pretty much basically the start of the end of it that I saw on Twitter. Everybody was like, "Yeah, they just admitted to to the fact that he didn't start shooting until the guy." Yeah you know, presented a reasonable threat, which was a gun pointed at him. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it's hard to argue with that. Should a 17, it's such a sad situation. Should a 17-year-old be rolling with an AR-15? Well, they sent, they sent 17-year-olds to fight in the wars. I mean, like, no one was batting an eyelid at that. Yeah, that's a fair call. But it's just, it's just, it's, you know, nobody ever thought war would be a reasonable act, but it happened. It's the same thing with riots in your neighborhood towns and people basically forming like little armed militias and vigilante groups. Yeah, I think, I think, you, you know, where I'm comfortable staying with my perspective is that this is, a, this is less about Kyle and more of a, more of an overtone about the state of the United States of America itself at the moment. Mm. I, I think if I want to com- comment on anything, I want to comment on that. J- just for the fact that, y- you know, because we've spoken about Black Lives Matter on the show and the fact that, you know, you know what they do is wrong. The The looting is wrong, the setting buildings on fire is wrong, the violence is wrong, you, you know, Antifa is no better. You, you know, they're, they're essentially a domestic terrorist group. So, so you overlay that with what then happened with a gentleman getting shot in the back several times by police in front of his children. Um, only... 
only a few days before the riot, I, I think reporters were drawing lines uh, between the two events. So, so I was led to believe that a protest happened because a man was shot in the back several times in front of his children, a black man, by the way. He's now permanently paralysed. And the, the left, the political left, are saying, well, that guy landed in a wheelchair, Kyle got nothing, and also George, George Floyd is dead. <laughs> you, you know, uh, I don't know. I, I, yeah, but, I mean, I don't know the, con- the, the context of the other situation with the guy that um, got paralysed, but... I mean, I gotta sound like a raging conservative, but <laughs> I've got no, I've got none of the context, so I can't have an opinion. But surely, there's got to be some material difference between the two situations that created that outcome. Compliance. I mean, well, yeah, well, I don't know. I mean, there's the videos of like pretty recently after the of of the of um, Kyle firing and and hitting those people. He walk, he's like walking away from all the action towards the police, and he like. Guy kind of puts his hands up, and this car, the police car, just drives right by him and just doesn't acknowledge him, pretty much. Wow. And that then it's pretty weird and bizarre for that to happen. And I can get that, but it's just it just goes to show that I mean, that that whole scenario with Carl is very weird and a lot of chaos going on. And whereas what was happening with this person who got fired is he was probably like the sole criminal in a sole situation with a sole police officer and you're comparing and they're comparing a one-on-one interaction with the person with law enforcement with a a riot situation with you know a city-wide of of events and the police are trying to figure out which ones they need to attend to now I, I was I was aware that Kyle was originally um, representing himself, uh, but near the end of the trial, it certainly didn't look like that. It looked like he had three or four sort of staff with him. Do you have any insight into that? Ah, uh, no, I had no idea about that detail. But I mean, it makes sense. I mean, maybe he's not that rich and. After a while, he got some private support for some good lawyers. I don't know. Oh, no, I mean, there was definitely a reference to the fact that um, his family started a fund uh, for Kyle. They started selling merch uh, on his behalf, and and they managed to raise uh, over a million dollars. So Kyle... Kyle definitely struck a chord with the uh, conservative community in particular. Yeah, I saw a hat. There's these hats somebody made, and it says on the front of it, shoot your local pedophile. <laughs> well, you know, we can't condone shooting people uh, here on the... No. Here is what we do podcast, but, but I will say this. I like that hat. Mm. <laughs> Um, so, so for now, I guess, I guess that's it, you know, Kyle's a free man, not only is he free, but he will definitely get his gun back, and, and um, he's going to make a lot of money off some lawsuits for defamation, there'll be, um, there'll be some 
news companies that will be getting letters from lawyers and will be settling privately to avoid uh, anything further, 100%. Same thing happened, you know, with that kid that um, just stood there and smiled in front the of the African, guy with the, the gum? The yeah. Indian Americans, yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah, that kid got massive settlements, apparently. Yeah, 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 for sure, because the media labelled him as an extremist, as this and that, it's so not true. Uh, yeah, so, what an interesting story. Um, are we thankful or not that New Zealand is not that interesting, Simon? Yeah, no, very thankful that we're not that interesting. <laughs> America oh, is an absolute circus show at the moment. Yeah. Uh, you you know, before we go to the next story, you know, I was kind of milling this over and I was like, I don't think New, New Zealanders can really be bothered to riot, you know? Like, even <laughs> even when we do an angry protest, like like, you know, the ones we had... Mahia on the show, even, even with the protests we're experiencing, new, typical New Zealanders, what do they do? Have a picnic. It's all super chill. Yeah. I mean, I'm not sure if you've seen what's been going on in Australia, but in, in Melbourne, they are firing up. You know, they're talking about... They had, a, they had some... I saw a video from um, yesterday of this... Uh, military general talking about you know this ends when we say no we're going on strike we're putting australia on strike everybody needs to stop turn needs to, to stop turning up to work call in sick do whatever wow. we're going to put australia to its knees you know they're, they're talking serious talk over there it's <laughs> it's it's almost time for for the uh, fisticuffs the real fisticuffs to start i mean that the tension is a lot higher over there, man. The the attitude is way different. If you can find some of the footage from what's going in Australia and or Austria, and those places are really firing up. Like, sorry to put you on the spot, but do you have mm. any sense of the Australian vaccination rates? Nah, it would be not as good as ours because I'm pretty yeah. sure I've heard us already can, um, celebrating that would be better. But it would be quite good. I mean, they've had pretty tough mandates like we have, um, and they didn't do it just for jobs. I think it was areas or something like that. Or, um, yeah, I'm, I don't think uh, they were as specific with their mandates as what we have been. Um, but you know, they were talking about. Uh, well, they did. They they were a lot quicker in adopting mandates for for places. You know, our New Zealand strategy for convincing people to get the man, the vaccine was to mandate the work. What Aussie's doing is saying you can't go anywhere, you can't do anything, like go to the supermarket or, or not supermarket, that's a bad example. Like you can't go to clubs or, you know, um, sure. any, any, yeah, restaurants and stuff like that. So, yeah, Got each it. different country's kind of taken their own approach to, 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 to see what can move the needle the best. So there's a bit of a there's a bit of a theme running running through the show today. Um, we're gonna go from we're gonna go from self defence to copyright infringement. <laughs> we're, <laughs> so, so we're gonna we're gonna be covering the 
Streamlab story, and I'm sure most of you that follow this show will be um, very abreast of the issues here. But Streamlabs drops OBS from the company name in response to recent controversy. And this is, a, this is actually mind-blowing for a couple of reasons. Not only because a, l- a large majority of beginner streamers start on Streamlabs um, because of the, the amazing wizards and the sort of... The, they have like an overlay store, Simon where we mm. can just quickly grab an overlay, but not only do you purchase it, it kind of places everything in for you. Uh, ah. So there's a lot of hands-free automation with uh, Streamlabs OBS, which is very different to uh, OBS Studio, which is more for the um, power user type streaming people. Um Full disclosure, we're big fans of OBS Studio uh, here and there. Here is what we know podcast. But also, Simon, I understand that you use OBS Studio and other projects. Yeah, I do for my uh, work and also in um, other uh, personal uh, content creation stuff. Yeah, we, 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 yeah, we yeah, use awesome. OBS as well. So, so it's so easy. Love it. Yeah, it is. Once you get it, you get it like like it is technical and really impressive but after a while you can kind of do it with your eyes closed uh but but the meat and potatoes of this story is that uh for a long time streamlabs was calling itself uh streamlabs obs because they were using uh core technology from the obs studio project which was open source and you're more than welcome uh to use some of the core project code within a few parameters i understand streamlabs obeyed with many of these parameters except for the fact that when they asked the obs studio team about the branding and whether they could use obs in the name the OBS team were really clear and said, yeah, nah, we're not not super keen for you to do that because, because your product is not only quite different to ours, but you're also, you're also offering paid features. So, so that, that, that was quite outside the sort of thesis and, and vision uh, the project had. Where this all came to a head, though, is... Um, Streamlabs uh, developed a tool which enabled uh, console-only streaming uh, but with overlay features. That This is something that you're, you're typically not able to do. I don't know if you've ever streamed on console, uh, Simon, but it's pretty basic, pretty rough. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, no, I've tried. It didn't go well. <laughs> and, you need a lot more bandwidth than I had. And um, console streams typically don't have a face cam. Uh, there are ways around it, but um, let me let me just check here. Uh, Lightstream are a company 
that had originally developed the um, console-based professional streaming. That's fine. You have competitors in every market. You can't expect to be the only player in a sort of product niche. The problem is, though, that Streamlabs essentially identically copied not only the product and technology, but the landing page as well. Like, the landing page, I'll see if I can get a link. Um, but identical is an understatement, Simon. It's, um, you know, what did you say before? Even down to the reviews. Even down to the reviews. So I've got a bit of an image, uh, and I'm going to put it up on screen. Now, apologies if you can't make it out at home. But Simon, I mean, would you look at that? Yeah. I know. I mean, well, you see, instead of it being, they've, 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 instead of putting the images just on the right hand side, you know, you can see they've gone on the left and then on the right hand side, so it's not so obvious. They've changed some of the words and colors too. I mean, it's pretty different, right? I'm gonna, I'm gonna see if I can zoom in. Oh, Chrome's not letting me zoom. <laughs> but just to say for the people at home. Yeah, the, this would not hold up in copyright court. <laughs> and uh, the no. discussion I wanted to have, though, Simon, is... It is fair to say that, like... I will say this, I had a... I had a conversation with an intellectual property lawyer not so long ago about a project that I'm working on at the moment, and she said something really interesting she said the code for launching a button for example is the same on every web-based program you you need to call the item button the, you, you can't not do that so, yep. so so every 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 website would feature a button object or a input field object you you can't not call those so a difficulty that judges have is, you know, where do you draw, draw the line? When are you, as we would say in New Zealand, taking the piss? <laughs> you yeah, know that I, is very clearly <laughs> taking the piss. <laughs> and, and I think it comes down to where I'd be more comfortable is, um, you, you know, whether there was more brand differentiation like this. I'll put it up again. This landing page is a good example where you don't give a shit about brand differentiation. Even if your features were exactly the same, you need to be trying to tell a different story. You know what I mean? You need to be coming from a different angle. You you need you need to make your offering more or differently appealing to your customers. It's literally just like they've gone. Hmm, that seems to work. Let's just do exactly <laughs> what they do, but a little bit different because our their whole marketing is it's it's our competitor's product, but by us. Exactly, that's, and, that's, um... and bro, 
I don't know. Oh, I, w I won't do it now, but I'll just say in the comments of this Kotaku uh, story, there's a guy in there that says he was working on a web project for a client and she literally said to them, I don't understand why we're not getting really good metrics. We literally copied the computer. And she, and she she thought that that would be a positive thing. And, and them coming in as a consultancy were saying, that's exactly why you're failing. <laughs> so somebody somebody came in and consulted for a business to say, here, this is the way you should operate. And it was just the other, their competitor's method of operation or marketing. Oh, bro, I'm talking about the website. So it was literally a, a copy and paste jobby, like like mm -hmm. what you're seeing right here from Streamlabs. Yeah. I can't but they just did it on purpose. Yeah, like it was a strategic intent. Yeah. <laughs> like, good on Light, Lightstream, though. Like, they've been getting a lot of hype out of this. But I don't know, man. So what's the, what's the relationship between um, Lightstream and, and Streamlabs and OBS okay, as so, organizations? So Lightstream has no relationship to either of them. Lightstream right. is a company in their own right coming out with a fairly innovative product that only they've had for some time. Uh, mm. We're losing your picture a wee bit there. Mm. Yeah, I don't know what's happened, sorry. Looks like you're underwater. It's actually a cool effect. Uh -huh. um, so, <laughs> so Lightstream do their own thing. And they've ha they've had that niche for quite a while, the console streaming with profession professional overlays. Streamlabs mm. basically took core code from OBS and made a company out of it. Uh, mm. what, what they did was basically take the core functionality of OBS and sort of bake in some paid offerings around overlays and all that. So you could like mm -hmm. one click, one click some overlay settings and you could be away streaming. So, so that was, that was their like market differentiator. And OBS is just a really hardcore open source community. Yeah. They don't give a cool. fuck. Like Firefox. Yeah. Yeah. So so that's the that's the story basically that um um that the internet has basically taken a shit. Like a lot of people actually thought that because OBS was in their name that it was a collab with OBS. Mm -hmm. And you saw that tweet. They've recently come out and said, nah, we tried to tell them a while ago. Piss off, basically. And um, <laughs> the fallout uh, for Streamlabs has been, well, I can speak to one example. Uh, Pokimane was one of their main ambassadors over at mm. Streamlabs. So she said, Sort your shit out, or you're not going to have my endorsement anymore. <laughs> but weak. 
you know. Like she really cares about them or anybody else. No, she she just knows that that's the right thing to say. Her publicist would have told her to say that. Totally. <laughs> it's it's it's. I tell you what, man. If there is one place to look to just really highlight the just uh, exponential growth and like capitalism and or just trying to do commerce in general and how every single market is just exponentially increased in terms of um, participants and the price of entry streaming is the best place five years ago you could have uh, your webcam on uh you know on your laptop and stream you playing runescape to twitch and get viewers and and not look out of place now every single person has an hd 1080p 60 (laughs) fps camera um you know the animated overlays everybody yeah has that on twitch and and it's just a such a good way to highlight just how that's happened in every facet of life everybody has gone 10 times better at doing it and doing it faster Mm. it's crazy can you think uh, of another example? I was trying to wreck my brain real fast, but of corporate copying that that was so savage it actually worked for them. Oh, I know there has been. Nothing is jumping out at me straight away. I have a weak example: work. Pepsi versus Coke. I was gonna, yeah, I was gonna say that. I think there was like, an, um. I think there's been some ad examples where, like, video ad, TV ads have been, like, pretty much exactly the same. <laughs> I just can't think of them. No, nothing's coming forward. I mean, uh, you, you, um, you hear of the first mover's advantage, and then... Yeah. Um, and then, but you can, you, can, you can take advantage of being second to the market and, and, being, and having the... the the opportunity to evaluate what made that pe- person so successful straight away and then try and implement it in a way that works mm. for you. But implementing their way for you is not a recipe for success very often. Another example that comes to mind is, you know, Bill Gates was on record back in the day, back in the 80s, saying that having clickable icons is a childlike idea and serious business people would never go for that. Hello Windows 95 and every other Windows after that. Yeah. That was an Apple idea that Apple bought from Xerox, I believe. Xerox held the intellectual property for for clickable icons. Wow. Steve Jobs, man. <laughs> he knew what the hell he was doing. Yeah, I mean, yeah, both those organizations are notorious for um, purchasing anybody that just slightly looks like a competitor. Anyone who gets a, a point of difference or, you know, new technology, they will purchase you and take your idea and no one will ever hear of you. Oh, you, you'll get a billy on the way out, though. If you're lucky, <laughs> yeah, sometimes they yeah. might. Just, sometimes they might just take it over hostile. If they don't like you, they'll just take your the IP and you'll die poor. 
True. There are some examples of that. There are. <laughs> but we're almost at the top of the hour, Simon, so how about we move into Final Thoughts? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I was trying to see if I could spot anything on the timeline from today to just share quickly, but nothing nothing that isn't just people sharing their pointless reckonings about some pointless <coughs> court case in the States. Should we start with you? Or? Yeah, sure. Um, my final thoughts. I don't mm-hmm. know. I'm, I'm starting to get really positive about the summer vibes that are on the way. Yeah. Regardless, like, I'm really trying my best to just not compartmentalize, but that is the best way to describe it, but in as healthy way as possible is manage dealing with the things that affect my life from a COVID and um, global political perspective. That's, you know, that kind of shit you need to follow because it's really fucked up at the moment. But you can't let it taint. You can't let it taint your personal world. Like I'm really stoked that I can still put, go and play golf and go surfing and and my life's sweet, and still be conscious of you know trying to, to do my best to stay current with the big moves and and political actions. Uh, so I guess yeah, my final thought would be just to, if you are somebody who is, you know, tightly following a news cycle or trying to trying to stay current with everything that's going on make sure you've got your peace and your paradise yeah my my final thoughts on today you, you know um the the Kyle Rittenhouse thing you, you know I'm I'm just gonna say that I'm really really glad it's over it was a it was a crazy crazy case and, and much like much like Simon said you, you know I, I think we should spend the holidays finding peace that like one way that i'm doing that at the moment is consuming much less mainstream media you, you know there are there are independent youtubers and bloggers that i trust and i'll go to them because i know they'll have a reasonably balanced view but i i don't even take their views necessarily to heart either it's important to make your mind up about everything. It's important to cherish the people around you, um, which I know some people aren't able to do anymore uh, due to COVID or due to lockdown restrictions. But whoever you can reach out to, uh, whether it just be on FaceTime, like for example, my dad lives in Ireland, as I've said a couple of times um but i still talk to him and like just being able to have a conversation is so fulfilling you know you know reach out to those that you you look up to would be the thing that i'd say simon we we have made a decision about uh summer shutdown but i can't actually remember what we said so so do Uh, do you want to cover that off for the people at home yeah, I think we agreed that it would be uh, the Sunday. I'm looking at it now on my computer. Yeah, Sunday the nineteenth um, would probably be last show. I think, the, yeah, the last show, and then give ourselves Christmas to um, to kick back and then come back into things 
like um, early to mid January, maybe maybe the ninth or the sixteenth. We'll see. Yeah, yeah. Um, that mm. that sounds really fair. And and for those of you, those of those of you in the Farron familia, I'm thinking about. I haven't spoken to Simon about this yet, but I'm thinking about putting together a couple of clip shows. There have been some really interesting conversations uh, over these last 12 weeks. Uh, so, so I'm reasonably certain that there'll be some gems and nuggets to find in there. To get those, you'll have to go over to either the YouTube or the Odyssey channel. Uh, but for now, thank you so much for joining us. We hope these conversations provoked something within you to think about the world a little bit differently. Thank you for being a part of the channel. Thank you for being a part of the journey. Please stay awesome. And Simon? And we'll see you all in the next one. Peace. <laughs>